Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Your life would be a lot better if more of your prayers were answered. And Scripture tells us how to make that happen. One way is through greater faith. Today we'll discover two more keys to answered prayer. Another aspect is right there in verse 16 of our passage. The fervent prayer of a, what kind of man? Righteous man is powerful and effective. So we have to have a relationship with God that's marked by obedience and righteousness. When we rebel against God or disobey God, that hinders the closeness of our relationship with Him, which makes it less likely that He will answer our prayers. Proverbs 28.9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. God is not going to listen to our prayers while we're rebelling against Him. Uh, That's going to hinder the relationship, especially if that rebelling, that disobedience, is in the area of love for people. This is a big thing. If you're not loving people, that's going to hinder your prayers. Like in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says if you're you're a husband and you're not living with your wife in an understanding way, that'll hinder your prayers. Or in Proverbs 21, 13, if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. God won't listen to that prayer. If you're not showing love. So disobedience hinders prayer. But when you obey, that makes it more likely that God will listen to your prayer. He'll listen uh, and say yes. 1 John 3.21 Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. Right? He'll listen because we do what pleases Him. 1 Peter 3.12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayer, but against the wicked. So the more disobedient we are, the more we just sap the power and strength out of our prayers. But the more righteous and obedient we are, the more powerful our prayers become. It has to be a relationship of obedience and righteousness. And that's not to say that, uh, please don't misunderstand that. That's not to say that we're somehow earning answers to prayer by obeying God. Okay, We're not earning anything. God's not indebted to us when we obey him because even our obedience is a gift from him. He works that in our hearts. So God doesn't owe us anything when we obey him. It's It's just that it's like any other relationship. The closer the relationship, the more influence you have with the person. That's the way it is with God. He's responsive to relationship. He's not a vending machine where you just do certain things and he responds. It's a relationship. And the more you improve your relationship with him, the more closely you walk with him, the the nearer you are in your day-by-day, moment-by-moment walking with him, the more you abide in him, remain in him, the more he'll answer. That's what he said in John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, we're close, uh, then you ask whatever you wish and it'll be granted. Another aspect of having a right relationship with God is reverence and fear. Hebrews 5, 7, remember we saw that last time. That's the reason why Jesus' prayers were answered is because of his reverent attitude. And so that'll translate to us too. We need to have a relationship of reverence before God. So those are markers of a good relationship with God. And and that's a, a requirement for having prayers answered. And you might hear all that and say, well... 
Okay, well, what if, I, what if that's not in place? What if I sinned? What if I, my faith is weak? I don't have a trusting relationship with him, or I, I don't try, or I've fallen into this horrible sin, or my attitude is bad, or, or whatever. If I, if that's the case, should I just shrink back and shy away from God for a while until I can get my, my life back on track and get my act together? No. No. No, because one prayer that God always hears and always listens to and always accepts and always answers and always responds to in a positive way is the prayer of genuine confession and repentance, just like Andrew was talking about in the communion. He'll always listen to that. So look look for a second at the connection between verse 15 and 16. Every one of these is in James, by the way. These four headings that I told you that we can summarize all the requirements for answered prayer, all of them are in James, uh, the book of James. And you see this one right in this passage. In verse 15, it says that when the elders come and pray for the sick person um, and anoint him with oil, it says, if he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. James throws the word if in there uh, to let us know that it's it's not always because of sin. Sin. If you're sick, it might be because of sin in your life. It might not. Uh, you don't know that for sure, so, so it's just an if. Maybe it's a result of sin, maybe it's not. But if it is, you'll be forgiven. Now, you hear that and say, wait, wait, <laughs> automatically forgiven? They come and pray and anoint me and I'm automatically forgiven? Don't I have to confess? Don't I have to repent? The answer to that question is, yes, absolutely you do. James just doesn't mention it because he's assuming you already know that. Okay, It's the way James talks. I know for sure that James has this in mind, that he's thinking, yeah, of course you have to confess and repent if you're going to be forgiven. I know he's thinking that because of what he says in verse 16. Um, Look at the conclusion that he draws. He says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So, so based on what happens with this guy and the elders, therefore, confess your sins. So obviously this first guy confessed his sins. That's why he'll be, he'll be forgiven. So confession, if these things aren't, if your relationship with God isn't what it should be, confess, repent, and get that relationship figured out. Get it back on track. Don't shy away from God. It always drives me crazy. I hear, you know, we take communion and somebody's not taking it, uh, communion. And it's like, what's wrong? Oh, I can't take communion because i got sin in my heart. Well, repent and then take communion, right? So you can always, you're never more than 180 degrees away from God. You can always turn back. So he says, confess that you may be healed. Um, don't shy away from God if there's sin. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I cherished, if I had cherished sin in my heart, then uh, the Lord would not have listened to my prayer. He doesn't say, if I committed a sin, then God won't listen. If that were the case, we, nobody, we could never pray, right? The issue isn't if you've committed a sin. The issue is if you're still cherishing that sin. If your heart's still in love with it. Um, I'm still clinging to it. You know, I'm not really repenting of it. I haven't really slammed the door and I'm keeping the crack open in the door so that, so that uh, in case I want to go back and commit that sin again. I'm leaving the opportunity open. No. That, 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 then you're not repenting and that's when God will stop listening to your prayers. So, when you get sick, confess your sin. I mean, when, anytime you get sick, anytime you get injured, you've got a calamity in your life, search your heart. See if there's any sin that might be causing that. 
Sickness isn't always because of sin, but sometimes it is. We know that. Like in Corinth, where many of them were sick and even died because they took communion without recognizing the body and blood of the Lord. It can come from sickness. During the time when David was refusing, remember he committed sin with Bathsheba and all that, and then for a while he didn't confess. He was keeping it inside. He was keeping it secret. And what happened to his body? That had an impact on his body, didn't it? Psalm 32 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. It had, it took a toll on his body. Sin does that. Remember the guy in John 5? He's, an, he's disabled for 38 years and then Jesus comes and heals him and then when he sees him in John 5.14, what does he say? Stop sinning. Or something worse might happen to you. So there's a connection between the sin and the calamity and the sickness. So if your relationship with God isn't what it should be, or if you've fallen into sin, don't shy away from prayer. Confess and repent. That's when you need prayer the most. God wants you to go to him when you're in trouble, right? And you're never in worse trouble than when you're wandering from him. I mean, when does the sheep need the shepherd most? It's when the sheep's wandering from away. So that's the time to pray. So the first factor that determines the power of your prayers is relationship, the strength of your relationship with God. Last time we talked about how God's conditions are always for our benefit. God makes a promise, then says, in order to receive this promise, you have to do this, and that condition is always designed to guide us toward more abundant life. And I urged you to spend the last couple days meditating on how more trust in God would make your life better. For today and tomorrow, spend time contemplating how greater righteousness and deeper reverence for God would also improve your life. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Only in righteousness will I see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. You've promised to reward me according to righteousness and the cleanness of my hands. Father, I want that reward. Restore my soul and guide me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. The earth is full of your goodness and love, for you love righteousness. I want to be at the center of your love, Lord. Teach me to hate unrighteousness because it puts a wall between me and you. Each time I see an opportunity to live in a righteous way today, let it be to my eyes like a pot of gold. And teach me to fear you Fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. My life would be so much better if I had greater wisdom. So guide me in paths that lead to deeper reverence for you. Make me afraid of anything that I know displeases you. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, but I love your word. Make my flesh tremble in fear of you and to stand in awe of your commands. Create a driving desire within me to live in fear of you. 
Help me turn my ear to wisdom and apply my heart to understanding, to call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. Teach me to look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Then I will understand the fear of the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.